0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, July 10th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show...
2: But I am also hopeful that this will likely serve as a wake-up call to the people, not only in these counties, but in the people across the state.
0: The governor announces upcoming restrictions on a number of targeted counties and defends his legislative vetoes. Then leaders at UMMC urge residents to take personal responsibility for keeping themselves and others safe from COVID-19. Plus, how the National Endowment for the Humanities is helping Mississippi institutions during the pandemic. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves is tightening restrictions in 13 counties with significant spikes in coronavirus cases. Reeves made the announcement yesterday during a press briefing after hinting tighter restrictions could come as cases and hospitalizations continue to rise.
2: I'm going to alert you to what is most likely to become new, a new order with tighter restrictions on 13 counties that are seeing the greatest risk. Of spikes in COVID-19. Make no mistake, the risk is present everywhere. The virus is in all of our communities, in all 82 counties, but it is most visible and the most community spread is occurring in the following counties. Hines, DeSoto, Harrison, Rankin, Jackson, Washington, Sunflower, Grenada, Madison, Claiborne, Jefferson, Wayne, and Quitman counties. These orders are based off of the greater restrictions that we put in place earlier during COVID-19 in counties like Leake and Scott and Neshoba. I am hopeful that the additional restrictions will have some impact, but I am also hopeful that this will likely serve as a wake-up call to the people not only in these counties, but in the people across the state. While the spread of the virus is worse in these counties, the spread of the virus is occurring everywhere in our state.
0: The restrictions are a response in part to a health care system under stress due to widespread community transmission. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the state health officer of Mississippi.
3: Yesterday, five of our biggest hospitals in the state had zero ICU beds. Zero. An additional four had 5% or less. An additional three had less than 10%. Our biggest medical institutions who take care of our sickest patients have no room to take care of additional folks. Now is the time for the hospitals to have to step up and try to counter the impacts of reckless social behavior. But it's not going to be enough. There are going to be people, there are already medical harms happening now, people with adverse health outcomes because they cannot access the health care they need because they can't get to a hospital. And when I talk to my ER colleagues, I'm understanding they can't get them anywhere because there's nowhere to send them. We're sending people out of state all the time because Mississippi hospitals cannot take care of Mississippi patients.
0: Governor Reeves says the additional restrictions on the 13 counties would limit social gatherings and require masks and shopping environments.
2: These additional measures would include further limits on social gatherings. For instance, a reduction down to no social gatherings of more than 10 indoors or more than 20 outdoors. There would be additional requirements for businesses, although at this time we are not going to propose shutting any businesses down. And in these counties, we would require that all citizens must wear masks when at public gatherings or in a shopping environment. To my fellow Mississippians, please take this as an alarm. Our numbers are getting worse. We need your cooperation. I know that no orders will be effective if we do not have the participation of our people. It is up to all of us. If you live in any corner of our state, please follow the rules that are currently in place. If you live in these counties, please adhere to these additional rules.
0: The limit of 10 people indoors does not apply to businesses, restaurants, or bars. Reeves said there are other measures in place to manage public health in those places. Reeves also defended his decision to veto certain le- legislation, including two prison reform bills and the education budget. Reeves took exception to a part of the education budget that redirects money from the school recognition program into the MAEP. Reeves stood by his characterization of the program cut as a pay cut for teachers.
2: If 23,157 teachers are entitled under current law to receive additional pay because they have earned it and that money is not there, that is a pay cut for those 23,157 teachers any way you look at it. And so if you are having education professionals claim that that money not being in the formula is going to lead to Reduction in staff. Here's what I would tell you the MAEP formula was funded at a level that was over $40 million more in FY21 than it was in FY20. Now keep in mind, virtually everyone else in state government took 5 to 10% cuts.
0: Kelly Riley is executive director of Mississippi Professional Educators. She says the education budget bill cuts funding of the MAEP.
4: House Bill 1700, as passed by the legislature, um, and I do need to say that I have not seen the governor's veto message yet, so I can't speak specifically to what portion of House Bill 1700 he vetoed. Um, but as it was passed the legislature, um, the MAEP was cut by approximately $37 million. And overall, the formula itself, which is provided for and specified in state statute in which state law requires to be fully funded each year, but which, of course, has historically been underfunded, um, the formula itself was underfunded by about $250 million for fiscal year 21.
0: Riley calls the school recognition program an incentive program and tells our Michael Guidry the governor is mischaracterizing the shift of funds by calling it a pay cut.
4: The school recognition program is a um, incentive program that was passed by the legislature when Governor Reeves served as lieutenant governor. This was his program. Um, it is a program that provides bonuses to teachers in schools that are rated an A or a B or in schools that move up one accountability grade ranking. Um, And, of course, those accountability ratings are based on student performance on statewide assessments.
1: Uh, The governor has characterized this as a pay cut. You said that uh, it is an incentive program. Does this money, the program's called the School Recognition Program, Uh, is this money directly tied to the teachers, or is it given to schools to then appropriate to teachers?
4: Um, The latter. The, The legislature appropriates the funds to the State Department of Education, and the State Department distributes those funds to the schools that have earned the bonus um, and those school districts then pay the pay the teachers. Um teachers typically receive these funds in December. Um, when the program was originally created, the distribution of the funds was decided by a teacher committee at each local school building that received the funds. Um, due to um challenges and problems with that form of distribution program guidelines were changed in recent years so that the funds were distributed evenly to teachers within the school
1: is it your is it your estimation at least that the transfer of the funds that were originally designed for the school recognition program into the MAP was was that redirection an effort to support all Mississippi teachers, rather than incentivize uh, a certain number of Mississippi teachers?
4: I I think the redirection of the funds was an attempt by the legislature to minimize the cuts to classrooms throughout our state. Um, I think it was a preventative cut Um, so as to avoid the elimination of teacher positions in some districts throughout the
1: state. Kelly Riley is the Executive Director of Mississippi Professional Educators. Thank you very much for your time and insight, Ms. Riley.
4: Thank you.
0: The school recognition program, which rewards schools for meeting certain accountability benchmarks, operates on a two-year lag, meaning the funds in fiscal year 2021 pay for school performance from the 2018-2019 school year. Riley says these funds do not follow teachers if they retire or move to a different school, while new teachers who were not at a school when it qualified for the program will still receive the incentive pay. Coming up, leaders at UMMC urge residents to take personal responsibility for keeping themselves and others safe from COVID-19. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Medical professionals in Mississippi are warning that the state is in the eye of a hurricane for COVID-19 hospitalizations. This comes as the state experiences a two-week period of record case numbers. Dr. Luann Woodward is vice chancellor of the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She says the state went from shelter in place to wide open, and now is the time for residents to find a healthy middle ground.
6: When we were first dealing with the pandemic, we saw a lot of widespread caution and concern. An early shelter-in-place order helped to slow the initial spread. As we have eased up and as we have opened up, we are seeing much more rapid spread of the virus across our state. In fact, we are having right now, right now, our largest surge of patients. Don't get me wrong. I am not advocating for a statewide shelter-in-place order. I am convinced we cannot shelter-in-place through the duration of this pandemic. I am also convinced that what we are doing now is not working. It is not safe, it is not smart, and it is not effective. We went from shelter-in-place to really wide open. Whether it was official or not official, practically, behaviorally, we went very quickly from shelter-in-place to wide open. What we have got to find is the right place in that middle ground. We have got to find a way to live and conduct our business and conduct our lives and go back to school and all the things that we want to do. We've got to find the right way to live with this virus The foreseeable future.
0: The Department of Health reports the state is fifth in the nation for coronavirus cases per capita, and infected patients are filling up hospitals. Health leaders like Dr. Alan Jones of UMMC are calling on Mississippians to wear masks and socially distance.
5: If you feel like you have a medical condition that would prohibit you from wearing a mask for whatever reason, you have a breathing condition, you have anxiety, whatever, then stay at home. Stay at home, stay away from people because you are doing a couple of things. Number one, you're putting yourself at more risk. And if you have an underlying health condition, likely you're at higher risk anyway. And number two, you don't know if you have it, and you're giving it to somebody else. So it works both ways. You know, masks are not the panacea of stopping the spread of this disease. Masks is one component. Masks are important. But there are multiple other components of this. You know, staying away from people, not having parties, Kids not going to the Pearl River on a sandbar and spreading it around to everybody. We all know of all these things that have occurred. And you'll hear people say, well, the death rate is not going up. Well, the death rate is going up. Look at the numbers of the last couple of days. And in the next week, we're going to see it continue to shoot up. And I hear people say, well, this is just a bad flu. Come with me up to the ICU and I'll show you some 25-year-olds suffocating on their own secretions. And then you tell me it's just a bad flu. This is not a joke. This is bad stuff, and nobody wants it. But if we don't do the things that we need to do, we're not going to be able to take care of you, and everybody's going to have it, and it's going to be a New York situation, and we're going to be in the parking lot trying to take care of people, and we can't do it.
0: As the state plans to reopen schools in August, health professionals say slowing the spread of the virus now is essential in creating a safe return. Dr. Anita Henderson of Hattiesburg and President elect of the Mississippi Chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics.
7: Children learn from their parents, they model behavior that they see in their parents. So we need our parents and our grandparents out there wearing their masks, wearing them appropriately so we can teach our children how to do that. Dr. Dobbs has said that masks, social distancing, hand washing, and smaller school sizes and smaller classroom situations are going to be critical for us to get back to school and to keep our kids in school so we can safely take care of our children along with our staff. So we're asking for your help as pediatricians. We want our kids physically present in school. Because we know that those children will receive the services that some of them are unable to receive from distance learning. We have special needs children, special ed children who receive therapies at school that cannot happen from distance learning.
0: To ease stress on the healthcare system, University Medical Center has launched a Mask Up Mississippi campaign to encourage everyone to wear a mask to help slow the transmission of the virus. Stay up to date with the latest in coronavirus related news by visiting mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. Coming up, how the National Endowment for the Humanities is helping Mississippi institutions during the pandemic. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're a parent on the go, but still want to stay informed about your children's education, subscribe to Mississippi Education Connections podcast and listen on the go anytime, anywhere on your favorite podcast app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The National Endowment for the Humanities is receiving $40.3 million in new CARES Act economic stabilization grants to support essential operations at more than 300 cultural institutions across the country. In Mississippi, that includes the B.B. King Museum and the Mississippi Museum of Art. NEH Chairman John Parrish Peaty is a native of Brandon, Mississippi with a master's in Southern Studies from the University of Mississippi. He shares what the CARES Act funds means for the humanities in Mississippi.
8: The CARES Act funding that Congress awarded to the Humanities Endowment was distributed two ways. Uh, it went to the 56 state and territorial councils. That includes the Mississippi Humanities Council And in addition, uh, the NEH distributed direct grants. And I'm happy to say that Mississippi, as a state, received a considerable amount of funding from both funding sources.
0: Did various entities or institutions in Mississippi apply for the grants, or was Mississippi as a whole considered?
8: So on the state level, I have to first, I have to commend the Mississippi Humanities Council because Stuart Rockoff and his team did a wonderful job of getting out grants to more than 40 organizations. And that really made a difference. And what I really appreciate about their funding is they reached very small venues that might not apply at the national level. And in addition, organizations from across the country were eligible to apply to the agency And happily, a number of Mississippi organizations uh, applied to us successfully. So the Mississippi Museum of Art, the University Press of Mississippi, the B.B. King Museum, and the Walter Anderson Museum, all four applied directly to the Humanities Endowment, and they received more than half a million dollars in funding.
0: Was the National Endowment for the Humanities responsible for determining who would receive money, or did that money, as you said, it went to the state uh, Department of Humanities, and they made the decision?
4: So
8: all of the funds distributed by the Mississippi Humanities Council, that decision was completely made by the council at the state level under Stuart Rockoff. And I looked at the way they ran that application process. It was so thorough and discerning. Uh, It is every region of the state, small and large organizations, and all of that funding was made at the state level. And the NEH uh, simply provided the funding to our state partners.
7: But
0: what about that? There are four larger entities in the state that received um, or, or a part of that half million dollars?
8: That's right. So the The NEH's total funding to the state of Mississippi was a million dollars in CARES Act funding. And the four organizations that uh, received the very large grants, those were directly from the Humanities Endowment. Uh, As chairman, that is my decision uh, for what organizations to fund. And I'm happy to say that I have, as a Mississippian, I've been to all four of those organizations, or in the case of the University Press, you know, know their books quite well. And so it was an occasion where it was not a hard decision for me. But I can say this my colleagues all knew the excellence of these organizations. Our National Council did, the panelists. Uh, as much as it's wonderful to have a Mississippian leading the agency, the truth is any leader of the Humanities Endowment would have funded these four groups because their work is so essential and their proposals are so necessary.
0: With the CARES disbursement on the national level, uh, are you satisfied that the humanities have been treated fairly and that the uh, disbursement to agencies around the country are, are making a difference, are really helping
8: I know emphatically that the CARES Act funding from the Humanities Endowment, the Arts Endowment, uh, the Institutes of Museums and Library Services, that our funding, our emergency funding, is making a real difference to the cultural sector. Having said that, uh, it is not enough to meet all the economic needs of these organizations. And I think uh, what, is, what is encouraging that a lot of foundations, family foundations and others, are increasing uh, their annual funding uh, to try to fill this gap as these museums and and universities are closed or at a lower capacity uh, during the coronavirus. So, for example, at the Humanities Endowment, uh, this month we awarded $40 million in direct CARES Act funding. The grant requests, though, were $370 million. So that gives you a sense of the demand uh, versus the funds that are available to us. Uh, But having said that, I know that this investment in the cultural sector is going to help sustain organizations and their missions. And in many cases, it is the difference between an organization closing or continuing until a time of full reopening.
0: John Petey is the chairman of the NEH, the National Endowment for the Humanities. John, thank you very much for being with us.
8: Thank you. I appreciate your time so much, Karen.
0: This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio.